Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious and all-righteous Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. I do pray that you would bless us as we continue in this worship. That you would be honored and glorified and the truth of your word be proclaimed. As has been mentioned before, we are living in troublesome times. We do not have enough sense to know how to praise specifically. But we would pray that you would put a stop to not only the war that is being brought to our attention, but to all wars. And yet, thy word teaches that there shall be wars and rumors of wars until our Lord returns. And while there are and have been wars that were ordained of you, we're mindful particularly of when you sent the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, still war is a horrible thing. And you use wars to bring your discipline and chastisement and judgment on nations. You used the armies of the Assyrians and the Babylonians to judge Israel and Judah. You used the Medes and the Persians. You directed other kingdoms at various times and even your word teaches that you put kings in authority and even the basis of men. And we say all of this our God to say that we don't comprehend what all you're doing. But we do know that the judge of all the earth is doing right. And we do know that you have given us the liberty to let our requests and petitions be made known. And so we do ask, ask for peace. But we also pray more so 
that the advancement of the gospel may go forth not only in this land, but even in distant lands in such a way that you would bless it to cause people to repent and turn from their wicked ways and bow down to the truth of the gospel. While we may be blessed to preach the gospel, and by thy grace and thy help we may be able to uh, preach it correctly, we cannot change hearts. We cannot produce repentance. We cannot produce obedience to your word any more than we can give divine life to a dead soul. But you can. And we ask our God that you would do so and that you would bless faithful men to proclaim the the gospel and that you would raise up others. Preach a gospel of holiness. A gospel of sobriety. We pray, Father, that you would help us and strengthen us. We pray for godly leaders and for the restraint of wicked leaders. For the heart of the King is in your hand. And while we may not be able to do anything with the hearts of the kings and those who uh, often rule over us, you can. You can turn it whithersoever you will. So help us, guide us, and strengthen us. Now bless us, we ask again, as we study your word, to have a fuller understanding of the gospel and the things connected with it. In Jesus' name, Amen. (coughs) We're still in Galatians chapter 2, and we want to pick up in verse uh, 11 today. (coughs) And this first part is dealing with uh, when Paul uh, withstood Peter to the face. I want to read a few verses here. Then we'll come back and look at them. Galatians 2.11 But when Peter uh, was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, 
I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, liveth after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And I'm going to stop there when really we... Uh, probably should have stopped at verse 15, but we will take up at verse uh, 16 here a little bit later and uh, look at uh, uh, another section of what's being taught here. Paul was so much a servant of the Scriptures that when Peter yielded to popular opinion with the Jews at Antioch, Paul withstood him to the face, as it says here. Now the Antioch that we're looking at is no doubt the Antioch in Syria and not the Antioch in Pisidia. And here I'll point them out again to you on the map. Here's the Antioch we're talking about, and not this Antioch over here, in, uh, what's called Turkey today. <clears throat> and I think there's uh, valid reasons for that, but we won't go into a lot of details and uh, looking at that. But uh, And I've got several passages of Scripture that we could look at. But it was no doubt that Antioch in uh, Syria. You remember uh, uh, Barnabas had gone there and uh, later on he went and got Paul from Tarsus to come down and they spent there and they left on their first journey uh, from there and uh, carried the gospel into the region of Asia Minor and other places uh, that we see there on the map. We're not told when this took place. However, I'm persuaded that it took place prior to or right at the time of Acts chapter 15. And the reason, let's turn there in Acts chapter 15, put our finger there for just a moment, and then we read a passage here that we've already read here in Galatians, and <clears throat> give you an idea of why we say what we say. We do not believe that this took place after the conference of Jerusalem in Acts 15. But notice what it says in, uh, in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, And certain men which came down from Judea 
taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now I won't go back and prove, but uh, all of this, this, that was taking place at Antioch in Syria. You can read Acts chapter 14, the last few verses, and you'll see that. And so, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 12, it said, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. So, uh, there were some that uh, went from Jerusalem, and, and as we will uh, see here a little bit later, uh, we believe that they said that James sent them when he didn't. Now, the James that we're talking about is not the Apostle James. The reason for that is, look in Acts chapter 12, and we've told this before and showed all of this before, but Acts chapter 12 now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of the Lord, with a sword. That was the apostle James. And then the Lord, uh, then uh, Herod uh, arrested Peter, put him in prison, and you know about the angel uh, giving Peter an escape from jail. Uh, you probably remember that from reading. But this James in Acts chapter 15, because he's mentioned uh, there in verse 13, and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, and so on. And, and James said uh, in that, that they did not send anybody out. So, uh, we're not going to look at all those verses. We've looked at them several times before. And so, uh, that's the reason we say that people said uh, that James sent them down, but they didn't. But anyway, these Judaizers, make a long story short, these Judaizers were trying to impress and enforce not only the law in and of itself, but particularly circumcision on to uh, Gentiles for the purpose of salvation. And so you, we need to keep in mind that throughout this, and we'll try to emphasize this more and more, when it talks about that there's no place for the law here in uh, Galatians, as we'll see a little bit later, we're not talking about that, uh, that the moral law and other things like that we're still not to keep. But it's talking about with regard to salvation. There is no law given, nor any commandment given for to bring about salvation 
to any individual. That is done by the the Lord Jesus Christ, as we'll see as we come further. But Paul did not allow Peter's position to hinder him from confronting him to the face. You remember in the first part of this chapter, when Paul went down to Jerusalem to see Peter, James, and John, and they seemed to be pillars in the congregation, and they were the somewhats that Paul was talking about, and others that appeared to be somewhats. And though Peter was greatly used of the Lord, I don't know how many of you remember it, but several years ago when we preached through First Peter, we did a study on Peter, and we saw that Peter was the leader of the apostles. And God used him in a mighty, mighty way, and he was uh, almost consider him to be uh, the first pastor uh, of the congregation of the Lord and the disciples in many ways, though he was not a pope. And we don't even want to imply that. But Peter was in a high position. And if nothing else, you know that when the Lord went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, He took Peter, James, and John. And there were other times when the Lord separated Peter with James and John from the other apostles that they were in uh, included in some of the ministry of the Lord uh, directly that others were not. So Peter was a man of prominence, we can say. But Paul did not cow down, and he was not afraid to confront Peter because for the stand of truth. It was for the stand of truth. <coughs> Paul did not go behind Peter's back and try to manipulate others against Peter. Oftentimes when preachers and sometimes uh, uh, church members as well, if they think somebody is wrong, Instead of going to that individual and talking to them, they start talking about them behind their backs. As we're going to see here in a moment, and as you probably already know where I'm going to go, uh, uh, that's not kosher. Uh, That's contrary to the teachings of the Scriptures. Paul didn't go and start talking about Peter behind his back to others. He withstood him to the face. He withstood him to the face. He stood up against him. He was not afraid to say what he had to say to Peter. This word withstand just simply means what it is. It means to stand against, to oppose him. And he opposed Peter. First time this word was used is in Acts chapter 6. Uh, I do want to read that for 
for just a moment. Acts chapter 6. Stephen preaching and we'll pick up in verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. In other words, they were arguing with him. And they were not able to, and the word there is resist, the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. In other words, they were standing against him, but they weren't able to. Uh, Timothy had more answers than they could uh, than they could answer, so to speak. Also, Second uh, Timothy. I want to look at this word again in Second Timothy, chapter three. We see this word withstand. Now as Janines and Jambrines withstood Moses, so these also do these also resist the truth. It's used twice there, withstood and resist. And you remember who Janines and Jambrines were, do you not? You remember when Moses went in before Pharaoh and said, Let my people go? And when Moses threw his rod down and it became a serpent, what did the magicians do? What did Janines and Jambres do? They threw their rods down and it became serpents. You say, well, how did that, how did that happen? Well, it happened by the powers of the devil. You say, well, how much powers does the devil have? I don't know. <laughs> and we can't go any further. And also, when... Moses turned the water into blood. What did Janines and Jambres do? They turned the water into blood. You can go back and read that in Exodus. So they withstood Moses. Finally it got to the point that uh, Moses could do things that uh, they couldn't do. Or God blessed Moses. Or God did things through Moses. And uh, you know what all I'm trying to say. So this is this idea of withstanding. Standing against. And Paul stood against Peter. He made it plain that he was against the Apostle Peter for doing what he was doing. He withstood him to the face. To the face. Paul followed the scriptural principle. You know where we're going, but turn to Matthew chapter 18. It's always good that we can be reminded of this because every one of us, I'm including myself, we have a tendency to violate this. If somebody's doing wrong, we have a tendency, instead of going to that person, start talking about the person. 
Matthew chapter 18, first of all in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. It didn't say go. It didn't say for the husband to tell the wife. It didn't say for the wife to tell the husband. It didn't say for the church member to tell the preacher. It didn't say for anybody to tell the deacon. If somebody does you wrong, you go to that person alone. Alone. You haven't said anything to anybody. If you're going to say anything, you go to the person. I like what uh, I remember many, many years ago, Elder Hunt Sr. said, he said, if I haven't got enough guts, I think he probably said uh, enough strength or something like that. Probably used better language than I. But anyway, in other words, if I don't have enough in me to go and talk to the individual face to face, then I shouldn't think I've been offended. In other words, if you if you can't do what our Lord taught here, then just keep your mouth shut and go on. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Now it didn't say if you think he has. If he has. Sometimes a congregation will meet and a brother or sister may walk out the door without speaking to somebody and they get offended. Well, all they did just walk out the door. They probably weren't even thinking about the individual that thought they were offended. They might have been thinking about something entirely different. <clears throat> I don't know this comes to mind. Uh, I think it was Brother Bradley that told this. One time he was uh, going home with his wife. <clears throat> he was asking her about the sermon and uh, said she looked like she was interested in it and what, wondered what she thought about it. She said, I don't know. said, I was, I was uh, thinking about uh, the, uh, the roast that I left cooking if I turned it off before I left or not. Just because you see somebody looking a certain way doesn't mean that they're thinking about what you're thinking about. And sometimes people just get their feelings hurt over nothing. And the other individual doesn't even know they've hurt the person's feelings. I did that years ago and didn't know it. I was... Uh, uh, newly a pastor of a congregation and one of the men there he liked to uh, cut up and joke and uh, all in good humor and that's kind of down my alley too and uh, I've got no doubt too much foolishness about me but uh, so uh, you know I was, I was just enjoying it and 
uh, I'd fire back at him and, you know, I thought we were just having a, a great fun and camaraderie. Well, come to find out, I didn't know it till after he had got mad and moved off. He could hand it out, but he couldn't do it. He could, he could hand it out, but he couldn't take it. And I didn't know it. I was totally innocent, totally uh, ignorant of the fact. <clears throat> Probably one of the reasons why the Lord said that ministers need to be sober-minded. But anyway, <clears throat> so notice what it says. If thy brother shall trespass against thee. Not that you think he has. Not that it, it, there's a clear, evident wrong that's involved here. He didn't use the word sin. He used the word trespass. Sin is kindly taking up like a bow and arrow shooting at the, at the target and you miss the target. You miss the mark. Trespass, you've, you've stepped over the boundary. You see signs from time to time. Do not trespass. That means don't step over the boundary. Well, here a brother has trespassed against thee. Go and tell him his fault. There must be a clear fault. And obviously, if you think it is, you should go too, but you need to be mindful of the fact, can I scripturally identify what he's done wrong? And tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Alright, here's a brother. He's done something wrong. You know about it. <coughs> you go and tell him. He repents of it. It's all cleared up. Nobody knows anything about it but you and him. Nobody knows anything about it but you and Him. People think that sometimes because somebody, a brother or sister sins, that it should be brought before the congregation immediately. Not necessarily so. Not necessarily so. But if He will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the congregation. But if he neglect to hear the congregation, let him be unto thee an heathen man and a publican. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing there. But my point is, Paul followed this principle. He went to Peter. He went to Peter alone. There's another passage, 1 Timothy chapter 5 that Paul had taught Timothy, and we see that Paul practiced that here. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Take up at verse 19. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Well, Peter had done this publicly, so there's plenty of witnesses. 
them that sin rebuke before, before all that others also may fear. So this is what Paul did. Them that sin rebuke before all. And this is what Paul did. He confronted him to the face. Now, we want to make something else plain. Paul did not have a personal vendetta against Peter. It wasn't two preachers that were aggravated at each other. Many years ago, there were two preachers, and I don't remember if they were in the Senate or in the House of Representatives. But these two ministers were in politics when they should have been in the pulpit. But they got it out with each other over something in the polit in in the uh, in the government in the state of Mississippi. I won't call the ministers' names. They're dead now. That's not important in all of that. But the bad part about it is this. They brought their differences among the congregations and caused a division in the denomination. There was a division among our denomination in the section of the country that I grew up in. And reading and studying about it, it was because of preacher jealousy, evidently. And there's been more than one time that preacher jealousy has caused a lot of divisions and lack of harmony among the people of God. Not only in our own denomination, but in other denominations that I've read biographies of men, of, of Puritans, Church of England, Presbyterians, and uh, of Reformers and things of that nature, both present and past. You say, why are there so many different denominations? Why are there so many different Presbyterians? Why are there so many different Baptists? Why are there so many different this, that, or the other? Well, for the most part, it started out years ago with uh, preacher jealousy and things of that nature. Some of them later on come to be over doctrine. But Paul did not have a vendetta against Peter. Paul wasn't trying to cause any division. Peter was clearly wrong. And Paul withstood him to the face. Paul was not trying to put Peter down. Paul was only defending the truth of the Gospel. You remember here in Galatians 1 verses 6-9, through 9, 
Paul pointed out that there's only one gospel. The purity of the gospel was at stake. The purity of the gospel was at stake. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, now notice this, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. Paul was set for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. And then he said it again in verse 17 in Philippians 1, But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul had dug his heels in. He was not going to compromise the gospel whatsoever. And if we have the gospel, it is we, we do not have the right to ever compromise the gospel. So it wasn't a matter of Paul proving himself right and trying to prove Peter wrong. It was, a, it was simply a matter of what is right, what is truth. And I have said before, and I will say again, that if anyone shows me clearly according to the Scriptures where I have taught, or am teaching something that is contrary to the Word of God, uh, God forbid that I not accept it. The Scriptures is what's important, not me. The Scriptures are the important thing. Peter was to be blamed. This word blamed is a compound Greek word the root is gnosko. Now that doesn't mean anything to you. I'm not, not trying to be uh, a somewhat. It, it just simply means to know. But it also has in front of it a preposition attached to it. <coughs> Kata, which means against. So this word uh, to be blamed is to know against or to find fault with. To find fault with. So this was no mere opinion or personal idea. It was knowingly a fault. It was clearly a fault according to Scripture. Why do we say that? Because Peter had already been taught by the Lord against such practices. You remember, and we won't take the time, but if we, uh, we will look at part of chapter 11 of Acts and chapter 15 of Acts. But you remember in chapter 10 of Acts that Peter was at Joppa. And he was at the house of Simon the Tanner. 
Now this is already showing some of the prejudices of, of the Jews being broken down. Because a tanner was a man that handled dead bodies and cured the hides of dead bodies. Which according to Jewish customs was an unclean man. So by the fact that Peter is spending the night or yeah, spending the night with Simon there on the seashore of the Mediterranean in Joppa. Remember here, uh, here well, Joppa's right here. Right on the seaside. <clears throat> and lunch was being prepared. And what did Peter do? He went up on the top of the house to pray. And he fell into a trance. And the Lord let a sheet down. Had all kinds of animals on it and said, Slay and eat. And Peter said, Not so, because nothing common or unclean has come into my mouth. And the Lord told him, What I've cleansed, don't call common and unclean. And while he was up there uh, on the housetop, three men came from... Uh, Caesarea. Caesarea, by the way, or Caesarea, seems was a few miles up north of Joppa. It too was right, right on the seacoast there. And that's where the centurion was. And he, uh, God sent, uh, uh, God appeared to the centurion with an angel and told him to send three men to Joppa and, and uh, Peter would come up there and tell him what to do. So God had already told Peter by this vision that it wasn't wrong to rub shoulders with and or preach to a Gentile. And after he did that, you can go home and read Acts chapter 10 this afternoon. I want to read, well, in the first 11 verses, of chapter 11, because when the apostles and brethren at Jerusalem heard that the Gentiles had received the Word of God, and when Peter went to Jerusalem, they asked him about it. Verse 3, Acts eleven three, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. And then Peter told them what all had happened to him. And so Peter has already been eating with the Gentiles. And then in Acts uh, chapter 11, verse 18, it says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also uh, to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And I'm not going to take the time to read it. But in Acts chapter 15, when they were having the Jerusalem conference, Peter rehearsed and it was talked about uh, this very same thing that took place. Uh, you'll see that in uh, Acts 15 verses 7 through 11 and verses 13 through 15. 
So I said all of that to say this. Peter had already been eating with the Gentiles. But when these Judaizers went to Antioch and said you must be circumcised to keep the law of Moses, then Peter separated himself from the Gentiles and just fellowshiped only with the Jews. And Barnabas was being carried away in this as well. He was being influenced by what Peter was doing. So Peter had already been taught and understood what was right. And here he vacillates. Here he vacillates. I have seen people over the years do things that were right, but when popular opinion came along, they vacillated. I've seen preachers years ago that contended for the sovereignty of God when it was popular, but when it wasn't popular, then they fought against and even this day, fight against the sovereignty of God. I've seen men and women dressing modestly that when it got popular and when it wasn't popular to do that in other places, then they started dressing like everybody else. And I find more and more in our own congregations women and children attending the house of worship in their jeans and in their shorts and things of that nature. And I just there's a general trend of a lack of reverence for the Word of God. But my point is, they only do what's right if it's popular. And this Peter fell into this trap. Peter fell into this trap. Now Peter was an apostle. And if a man like Peter could sin and err, it's no odd thing that we sin also. We need to take heed how we stand lest we fall. We need to realize and know that we only stand by the grace of God. Great men are sinners. David was a great man. He sinned. Samson was a great man. He sinned. Other excellent men fell into sin. Job and Jeremiah cursed the day of their birth. We read about Job cursing the day of his death, uh, his birth today. Elijah, I mean, uh, yeah, Elijah and Jonah, they they were they were weary of life. They just wanted to give up and die. God just killed me. 
So we need to realize that if men like Peter could err, sin, so can we. We're not beyond. We're not beyond uh, sinning ourselves. Now Peter did not sin or do anything wrong by eating with the Gentiles. We've already looked at. Uh, we brought brought to your attention. Acts 10 and 11, where he went in to them. The dietary laws of the Old Testament were done away with when the New Testament came on. Let's read some passages on that. You know, some people today think that there are some things that you should not eat, they're just filthy. Well, I want to stress this a little bit. First Timothy chapter four. Now the first one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall de- depart from the faith. Notice, depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing to be received, refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. The Scriptures did not say that every clean creature in the Old Testament economy is good. It said every creature. Every creature. Some people eat scorpions. No, thank you. I'll leave that to them. But I I cannot condemn them. Every creature is good. I don't know how I ever kept this in mind. (coughs) But the dog rib... I believe, if I remember correctly, this goes back to my college days in in one of the entomology classes, that the dog rib Indians, that's a tribe of Eskimos, considered the ox warples a delicacy. If anybody's ever raised on a farm around cows, you've seen wolves in a cow's back. That's nothing but a worm that's a larva of a fly under the skin of a cow. And while I was on the farm with cows, every once in a while we'd see a bump on the back of a cow and, and uh, we'd squeeze that like you'd squeeze a pimple and out would come this big worm. Well, that's what the ox warples were for the dog rib Indians. No, thank you. But I tell you one thing, 
If you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Every once in a while, there's a series of shows that come on that called Alone. One of my children has a uh, has a way of letting me get in to watch that on my iPad, and it's kind of fascinating. But uh, I've seen people eat some mighty, mighty. Uh, 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 peculiar things just to stay alive. But every creature of God is good. So Peter wasn't sinning by eating with the Gentiles. He wasn't sinning by doing that. The dietary laws of the Old Testament, like I said, have been done away with. Paul addresses this also in, in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Verse, starting in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye not to doubtful dispensations. But one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. So here's a guy that can eat everything. Here's another and he's a vegetarian. Let not him that eateth despiseth him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteem one day above another, another esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I'll say that about this. Uh, pagan holidays, such as Christmas and Easter, uh, that this, this verse is not saying that it's alright to follow these pagan holidays. But we won't get off into all of that for right now. Drop down to verse 14 of Romans 15. For I know, I know and am persuaded by the Lord that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth or thinketh anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother grieve, uh, be grieved with thy meat, now walketh thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom the brother, for whom Christ died. Well, I've got some other passages that I want to get to on this, but if I take all of them now, it's going to take us too long. Uh, I'll come back finish this part up, Lord willing, this afternoon. But I just want to make it clean, make it plain that nothing is to be refused. And if you want to eat something that somebody else doesn't want to eat, uh, it's sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. Thank God for it and eat it. If somebody else doesn't want to eat it, then don't turn up your nose at them. And don't turn up your nose at something that somebody likes. And if it's going to cause somebody to sin by you eating that, then we're going to see that you shouldn't eat it just because you love them. 
If you're going to eat it, wait till you get by yourself and they're not around. And so, you need to keep those things in mind. But if Christians are like they ought to be, if one thinks that he shouldn't eat it, and the other thinks that he should eat it, both of them should be charitable with each other. And so, not try to force the other to their uh, idea. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll come back to this a little bit later. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the clarity of it. Help us to be mindful. To submit our prejudices to the truth of the Scriptures. And it is in Christ we pray. Amen.